0: Welcome to episode 36 of Central Intelligence Cinema. Today, we have our second listener-requested review, this time of the 1997 Canadian-produced spy film, The Assignment. A huge thank you to our agent in the field, Mark Miller, for his request. We hope you enjoy our good-natured ribbing of the film. Also, just wanted to pass along a happiest of New Year's to all our tens of listeners. We look forward to bringing you much more Silly Spy Shit in 2023, but for now, Take it away, Pierce. Beg your pardon, forgot to knock.
1: To the CIC, initiating security clearance.
0: My name is Napoleon Solo. Bond. James Bond. Ethan Knight. Felix Letter. Ilya uh, Kuriaki. Identity confirmed. Now Ventus seven. Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Paul,
1: what
0: do you think British you? Me talk? Yeah, baby. Yeah.
1: Coming to you from an undisclosed cemetery somewhere in the Great White North, eh?
0: Learn the names.
1: It's a Central Intelligence Cinema podcast. I'm Jason Greenberg, and with me, as always, <laughs> Ben Eslinger.
0: Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. And welcome back to the CIC the podcast that is giving you a great big boiling hot trough of porridge that is our review (laughs) (laughs) of the assignment. (laughs) We
1: want you to know how much he suffered by eating that porridge, and I will never stop suffering from watching this movie.
0: (laughs) Oh, goodness.
1: PTSD porridge poor, traumatic stress syndrome or just the, the disorder. Let me let me
0: tell you something. Uh here at the CIC, we love our tens of listeners. We really do. We we do. And I think it shows by taking on this movie. <laughs> 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 it is uh this is something else, man. <laughs> this is a uh, this is it quite was the movie. something else. <laughs> is it a movie? I don't even know if it's a movie. I mean, technically, it's a movie. It's four different movies crammed together. <laughs> it's there's film, there's dialogue, there's a story, <laughs> sort of, sort of, sort of, and you know, okay. Well, anyway, what what's the movie, Ben? Well, it's the assignment, uh, Jason. It's uh, starring—I uh, don't even know who's in this right now because I'm—I'm so flustered by the whole thing that I Do- don't even. The know. Donald Sutherland, maybe. Yeah, that Donald Sutherland fella, and then uh, Aiden and, uh, Quinn. Aiden and there's Quinn. A, another fella. That Aiden Quinn, that uh, Irish Catholic guy who's uh, you know playing a uh, Cuban.
1: Yeah, that guy, <laughs> well, and then there's guy. one
0: other. There's one other fella in it. Oh yeah, that uh, that that Kingsley guy, the guy that was an yeah. Iron Man. You know, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, was, yeah, Iron Man. That was his big breakout role. Um, <laughs> yeah, not
1: gone. I feel like I feel like that. I feel like that guy's going to win an Academy Award someday. I he, mean,
0: someday. He, it, it, uh, I mean, someday. After, I mean, after this, it was all up. <laughs> it was all to the stars. Well, technically, <laughs>
1: anybody who was involved in this movie was only going up. From this
0: movie. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Anything from this movie is pretty much a step up. But uh, (laughs) shall we we get into this sucker? Oh, please.
1: So that way we can get over with it. (laughs) Terrorism is regrettably a growth
0: industry. For 20 years, Carlos the Jackal led a reign of terror so brutal... His capture was an international obsession. Now... Lieutenant Commander Ramirez. Holy
1: cow. The resemblance is astonishing. One American officer is about to
0: take on the ultimate challenge. You are the only one who can
1: get the jackal. The French made it perfect for us. The KGB now think you're
0: Carlos. They took the bait. Aidan Quinn, Donald Sutherland, Ben Kingsley. Okay, the assignment released in 1997, directed by Christian Duguay. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Who also did uh, Screamers and The Art of War, which starred Wesley Snipes, and the miniseries Human Trafficking. That's about all I have on him. He apparently did a lot of like actiony stuff too. Like I don't know if it's for TV or what. Doesn't have a big <laughs> his uh, his portfolio is not you know, large and esteemed, which I think it shows. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's about all I have on this interesting movie. It was written by uh, Dan Gordon, who uh, did write some things. Uh, yeah, wrote, no doubt. He wrote, he wrote Wyatt Earp, uh, he wrote The Hurricane, and he wrote Rambo Last Blood, which... Uh, but anyway, uh, as well as writing credit to uh, Sabby H. Shabtai, uh, who has no other credits, but I'm not really was nothing on that person, so I have no idea. So, yeah, interesting that they did have a writer on this who clearly knows how to write things. Um, right now, I will say, uh, looking back on the movie, I think it's more. I think what kills this movie so hard is the production itself. Not so much that I think that this story, done correctly, might have actually had some wings to it. Um, Agreed. And there's even I I even noticed that. There's a lot of payoffs going on in this movie, where mm-hmm. they they set things up to pay them off, and they do pay them off. It's just it's just not very well executed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll never know for sure. We'll never know for sure. Uh, the the uh, director of photography was also Christian Duguay, um, as well as David Franco, who was a second unit director of photography on Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. That little movie so wow. so
1: why was it the, so why weren't the computer effects any
0: better then? <laughs> well I think that might be down to budget I'm not sure he was also he also went on to be the director of photography for stranger things uh Ray Donovan and Game of Thrones so right
1: uh, uh, there, I I didn't have any problem with the way the movie was shot I had the way a problem with the way the movie was directed and edited
0: yes yes that's Definitely for sure. And I think uh, I didn't take notes on set direction, but that was definitely an issue as well. But again, I wonder what the budget was for this. There were no numbers available. It made a toppling $332,597. Wowzers.
1: Which I'm guessing from the general quality means it came in just under making a profit
0: yeah yeah <laughs> Oof. yeah um but it sounds like they did have some issues with uh american distribution you i think you had something on that
1: yeah so it sounds like it so it was made in canada and uh they were going to get made in canada to be a movie to release in the u.s mm-hmm. and the u.s distributor was like we're just going to give it a limited release and so the canadian distributor's like well if they're not going to put it in for release eight we're not going to put it in a four release, <laughs> eh? And then next thing you know, nobody's watching this movie because its two biggest markets refused to put it in a large distribution, which I'll be honest with you, with everything else that was going on in 1997 when it came out,
0: this pro- movie probably would have done all right. Yeah, it's quite possible. When you throw in a Sutherland and a Kingsley. Indeed, indeed. because they were Those kinda, were still names to be reckoned with back absolutely.
1: then. Particularly Ben Kingsley, who, I mean, I think Sutherland kind of went through a decline in the late nineties and kind of had this resurgent in the, the, the later two thousands.
0: Right. I think that kind of been
1: a boom, 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 boom across the board.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was (laughs) Sutherland was kind of in his, in his Nick cage, uh, paying off the (laughs) paying off some debts phase, I think during that, (laughs) that era, but, uh, (laughs) but no, exactly. Uh, Ben Kingsley was nothing to, you know, make fun of or anything, you know? So, and uh, you know, I think too. When did uh, I'm trying to remember when Benny and June came out? Because that was sort of the big one for Aiden Quinn, too. Right. Well, and uh, Legends of the Fall that he was in. I don't know. He he had a moment too. He he went through a did he did, a, he did. A quick moment, and he was still very young and fit in this one. So, and I, I will say now I'm jumping ahead just a little bit for a uh, for an Irish fella. Playing a Cuban, he actually was sort of convincing as as far as when he spoke. As far as he could be, sure. As I far mean, as he could be, I mean, he was I in don't a
1: know. he was in a role where he was a dude disguised
0: as another dude playing another dude. Indeed, he <laughs> <And> really was. <laughs> that's a that's a hard one to pull off. Yeah, yeah, and i i i There are definitely some moments where I'm just like, oh god! I actually felt like he was much better. When he was just playing the actual Carlos.
1: Yes. He seemed so much more committed to the bit to being the bad guy, the actual bad guy. Even when he was playing the good guy playing the bad guy.
0: Yeah. He came off more confident. He came off more. He allowed himself to just be more confident, more just sort of not giving a shit.
1: Projected more menace.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Real quick, uh, Norman uh, Corbell or Corbale, who uh, worked frequently with Christian Duguay and also lots of TV stuff, he did the music. Again, I think it shows. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's not exactly amazing. Um, but again, clearly yeah. they must not have had a lot to work with. This, they probably spent all their money on getting Donald, Donald Sutherland, Sutherland and, and Ben Kingsley, King... King
1: and probably Abe Gwynn at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they probably had, like, you know, maybe 50 grand left to work with. Because, <laughs> I mean, holy cow. The CGI, if you can even call it that. <laughs>
1: is- I, I think I i think I said to you uh, while I was watching this on my second go and I've seen better fire effects on an inflatable dragon at Halloween time.
0: <laughs> I just, it kept, I kept thinking of some of the, cgi that didn't transfer over well on star trek the next generation when yes. they when they uprezzed it yes when you suddenly were like oh god <laughs> That's or kinda... i just
1: i think about the special effects of any sci-fi channel movie that was made from like 92 up till last year i mean it's just it's yeah. tv level special effects yes. with tv level music with TV basically level, a TV, TV level, level resolution
0: too, except yeah. for the, except for the fact that it was shot on film, allegedly, <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, there are moments of this movie that I do find entertaining. Like, actually, actually, I'll say this, the movie is entertaining in, in a, in a way that it wasn't intended to be, <laughs> uh, you know,
1: I don't even know if I can go that far.
0: All right. Well,
1: uh, my problem is, is, you know what? I like art house films. I like sp- adventure spy thrillers. I like action movies. I mm-hmm. like softcore porn. I just don't like all four of them crammed into one spy type <laughs> movie that can't figure out what the hell it wants to be.
0: Exactly. It really is. And every scene feels like a vignette that's just been stitched together yes. next to the next vignette. It's, it's, it's not yeah. a whole movie. With a couple of
1: really, and I'm going to say a couple of really excellent stunt scenes Put in the middle of it.
0: Yeah, actually, the the moments when Annabal is trying to evade the French, uh, the DST, c- yeah, the DST. Those moments are actually pretty good in there. And, oh, and I agree. I th- and I think that probably is you know where it sort of plays to Duguay's strengths as opposed to the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, getting into the the main characters, we've talked about the main ones but just going down the list here we do have aiden quinn as commander anibal ramirez and also carlos the jackal spoiler alert
1: Yeah, because <laughs> spoiler alert
0: they look the same right <laughs> um and and that brings up a point actually about the fact that this is loosely and then when i say loosely really loosely based on a real person who was a real terrorist named carlos the jackal um who has been referenced in a ton of different movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, He was referenced loosely, I should say, um, in the movie Gotcha, actually, the spy movie Gotcha, Mm -hmm. when uh, the character Manolo, the best friend of... uh, Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards, yeah, uh, where he would say that he, he was trying to pick up women by saying that he was Carlos and that he was trying to avoid capture and yada, yada, yada. Um, we also get a reference to the Jackal. Actually, Carlos the Jackal is basically the main villain in the 1988 version of The Born Identity. We also get a reference to it in True Lies mm-hmm. where uh, Bill Paxton is playing that car dealer named Simon who is trying to seduce the wife of a U.S. counterterrorism operative, a.k.a. Arnold. And that said, Operative seeks revenge by accusing Simon of being Carlos the Jackal, which is hilarious. (laughs) Also, if you want more about that movie... Go check out our episode where we reviewed True Lies, available where all fine podcasts or listen to. That was smooth. Thank you. Thank you. And then uh, also, uh, even the 2005 Munich um, makes a reference to Carlos the Jackal as well. So it's fodder that has been well-treaded. Definitely. The other characters in this, we have uh, Mora Ramirez, uh, played by Claudia Ferry, the wife, who does a fine job for what she's given a oh, yeah. lot of the a lot of the tertiary characters aren't given too much i would say of all of all of them claudia ferry probably did the best yeah um,
1: she she had that really kind of nice moment when they're uh, at the the party yes and, absolutely. And the, ad, the admiral makes an ass out of himself yeah she, she very uh adroitly puts him in his place without getting her, her her navy officer husband in trouble. Yeah. Um that was kind of a fine little bit of
0: of acting there.
1: Uh absolutely. For her.
0: She kind of stole the show in that scene, actually.
1: She really did. Because then uh Aiden Quinn goes on to completely overact with oh my with God. Donald Sutherland, who was really putting it on there. So Whew. Who She was, she she was, was <laughs> she she was a study in subtlety compared to the
0: other people in that, that <laughs> yeah. particular scene. And how? <laughs> uh, <laughs> then we had the uh, character Carla played by Celine Bonnier, who, <laughs> I mean, she she did what she was asked to do. Um, uh, Skimax at <laughs> night. <laughs> And, yes. and of similar ilk, uh, we had uh, Agnieszka, played by uh, Liliana Komorowska. Say that three times fast. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to try that again. Um, and then finally, of course, uh, Jack Shaw slash Henry Fields, played by Donald Sutherland, who, uh, man, he, he vacillates between being... The Donald Sutherland that knows how to act. And then I don't know if it's direction or what, where there are moments where they just, you know, between him and Aiden, they just put on a clinic and overacting.
1: Yeah. And I because I I, I know the work of both of
0: them. I feel like that's what they were being told to do. Yeah. And they just did it. Yeah. Yeah. And then Ben Kingsley does his job. Honestly, he's just, he's a good actor. He knows what to do. Yep. He showed up. He did the thing, you know, uh, plays the character Amos. hes He plays the, the good cop to Donald Sutherland's bad guy. Right. And he,
1: and he does it very well. I mean, he's yeah. the most believable person or character of all of in,
0: in all of them. You And he's that... playing outside of his actual heritage. <laughs> right.
1: So... Like you said earlier there's so much potential here it wasn't yeah. the it wasn't the cast it probably wasn't even the writing in the movie it's the directorial and editorial choices
0: that were made to get us what we got to yeah and you think too there are plenty of indie spy films that don't overreach with cgi in order to make things look believable right and, and that is kind of exactly what this did i mean th- i think about that stupid uh cgi grenade falling to the floor and like yeah. I, I could literally do that in, in after effects like right now i could go right. into adobe after effects and i mean granted this is now we're now in 2022 and this was 1997 but still it like they didn't need to do some of the things that they did to still make it believable right um Right. Well,
1: I think I hate to have to put everything squarely on on Mr. DeGee, Guie, De Guay, De Guay, however yeah. you say it. Right. But I felt like he was trying to reach out artistically on a film that really needed to be more straightforward. Very much
0: so. Very much. And so.
1: and I think he was given carte blanche by whoever was producing the film to do that it was because low a lot of enough. Well, yeah, but low risk. It seemed like it seemed like he had enough money in his pocket. To try things that if he'd really been strapped for cash, he would have been more innovative in how they did it, which would have made it more convincing. Because one thing I've learned from most movies is when you find a huge roadblock, you've got the the good ones, they became creative and figured out a way around it. Bruce the Shark and Jaws, you know, things like that. When the big effect doesn't work, how can you make it work for what you've got? And then all of a sudden it becomes better because you took this woofy wowser blinky thing out of the way and let the viewer decide what was happening yes and, and they they if they'd done that in those questionable cgi scenes
0: yeah a whole lot better a whole lot better absolutely so uh should we start uh getting into this thing oh we're not done yet <laughs> oh no 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 we have much more to go my friend <laughs>
1: all right i guess we should get to it then
0: Okay, so uh, starting off here, we have no pre-title. We just get into the title graphics, and they're fine. But it's really, it's hard to concentrate when you're looking at titles, and it's it's not hard to make out the fact that you're looking at someone pissing on cobblestones. It could be a warning. <laughs> I mean... This just, is what you're getting yourself into. I mean, talk about foreshadowing. I mean, it's literally... <laughs> it's literally pissing on like all these people's credits like all these it's, exactly it's, all these people it's like this isn't and we're going to piss on their <laughs> on their resume and we're going to piss on their resume as well <laughs> <laughs> and this is the one this is one of the parts of the movie that does have no payoff like there's no, there's no payoff why on earth why on earth would you start it with two kids peeing on the sidewalk why Again, directorial largesse? Yes. And then run your credits across that. Yeah,
1: that's it. You are sending some kind of a message there.
0: You really are. I mean, unless that was like a a pickup shot where afterwards they were like, "Well, this thing sucks. Let's just have a couple of kids be on
1: this." Yeah, but I feel like I feel like it was intentional. I feel like oh, the sure. first six minutes of that movie were designed to make you super uncomfortable. Well, it's, got, it works. You got, kid, you <laughs> it got works. kids peeing. You got people sweating in the bedroom upstairs. You got super close ups on Carlos smoking. You've got him burning the spider in the He's web.
0: Like really crunching into that apple, like it's just like, yeah. like, right, like, like like a macro shot of him biting that apple and then burning the spider and right. So when I watched it,
1: my first watching, I'm like, is this gonna be like some kind of like David Lynchian? <laughs> I mean, spy it's, movie where it's we're gonna so... go high art. I know a spy movie. I'm like I'm like that's kind of cool. I I I want to see that. And I did not get that. We <laughs> did. We, did,
0: we definitely did not did, get did that not at get all. That. No, no. I mean, like once you got past maybe the the sex scene, I guess, then it just sort of unravels after that. Like again, it, it's like a series of vignettes. So you've got these school kids in uniform, I think, like pink, and, and then and then. The shot cranes all the way up and then you see what I'm guessing is a painted background of Paris you or really not,
1: bad CGI or, it or was really not bad, good whatever it really, was yeah
0: really bad CGI and then the camera backs in into the room where Carlos is having sex and it's 1974 in Paris France and uh very explicit sex scene. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> like like it, like you said I mean it was like Suddenly, we were in Skinamax at night for a half second, and then I don't know if that was like our paying us back for having to watch two kids pee for the the last like three minutes, or I don't know what was going on there. Anyway, so they get done with the business, with the business, and it's disguise time. So then we quickly find out that Carlos likes his disguises, and uh, boy so does he—he <laughs> he really likes his disguises. So he puts on his hippy dippy uh, outfit, and then we see. Uh, he walks right past a young agent, Henry Fields, a.k.a. Donald yeah. Sutherland.
1: And you know he's young because his hair has been dyed blonde and
0: it's long. That's right. Therefore, Donald Sutherland must be young in this. <laughs> so he walks in after picking up a, a light, a cigarette light from Sutherland. Carlos walks in and Sutherland sort of like thinks twice about who,
1: who did I just give, give yeah. a light
0: to or whatever.
1: Why, why is this familiar? Why you, uh, his spider sense was tingling, in effect. Yes,
0: yes, yes. And then the next thing we see is, uh, I think it was the girl that he just had sex with. Carlos' no, girl. No, no, who, no, no. It's,
1: it, it it, it's the girl he has sex with later in Libya.
0: Oh, okay, okay. So she walks out, and then we see Carlos up on the balcony with, like, giggling with his grenade. Which, okay, here's another thing. I don't know a whole lot about grenades.
1: Yeah, that was completely implausible. What that grenade but, did, if that's what that you're going to say, but that grenade
0: had the had the megawatt explosion power of like a nuclear missile. It Totally did that, <laughs> that, that.
1: grenade, and and they say later that he uses explosives that are fragmentation explosives, so he gets the maximum damage, right? Right. So a frag grenade, what it is designed to blow up and fragment. That's right. The term. So, right. So. It's designed more to send projectiles into lots of people than necessarily. Not to make
0: lots of fiery explosiony well, things,
1: right? Like you would see in your After Effects through Photoshop. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the the amount
0: of people getting thrown across rooms. Oh my god! I know the the only thing I could gather was was that maybe the girl had like turned on gas somewhere or well, something. Well, they did show
1: they showed in the scene that the the fire from the grenade ignited a gas line that was just in the restaurant bar they were in and that's what caused the massive explosion on the outside it wasn't it didn't seem like it was intentional in any way yeah unless that was an open valve and they edited that scene out so you can make it more confusing um (laughs) but i'm just saying the grenade did not do what that grenade should have dude
0: yeah to begin with yeah, it was just like absolute friggin' destruction. And then of course we cut to outside and, and Donald Sutherland is all rattled because he knows that he just enabled the jackal or, or just let him slip out of his fingers basically. And then uh French uh, DST, or maybe it's the local police. I, I think it was
1: just, a, like, I think it was their, their equivalent of the FBI as that guy was.
0: Yeah. So he comes up and is talking to, well, how did you know it was a jackal and everything? And he's like, well, I'm CIA and he knew but, who I was. I'm and CIA
1: and I could feel his hands on my, my hands and I knew it was the
0: jackal. <laughs> because he knew who I was. I think that's yeah, what what the That's what the, that's line what the was. gist
1: of it was. Yeah. You know, it's funny in the scene after the, it's blown up and he's sort of dazed and he's looking at all the dead bodies right you know and there's the scene with the mother and the child you know all i kept thinking of was those really bad commercials from starship troopers <laughs> the, the the ones millions, inside the movie yeah millions yeah. dead in buenos aires only good bug is a dead bug i mean <laughs> the way it was filmed felt so processed and propaganda even though it wasn't supposed to be right but the right. slow motion kind of thing and just the violence and
0: reaction and just it was it is kind of funny it it feels like every time Sutherland is trying to convince Aiden Quinn to do the assignment. It turns into that like propaganda e type thing. He, yeah, that's the one part of this script that I'm like, oh god, like leave it alone. Just he just al- he just always goes back to like women and children, kids like like your kids over there. They died. They were all bloody, <laughs> like torn apart. Like classic stuff. Um, yeah. So then we cut to uh, I guess a year later in Vienna at an OPEC ministers conference and um carlos strikes again we see him go right up the front stairs comes right in the front door as if nobody's you know yeah there's no security out. there's no security on an opec meeting you know why would there be we got a metal detector we're good yeah it's fine we're all fine it's like a library you know no no big deal so (laughs) goes up there and he kidnaps everybody at this meeting um it's like 70 people and then you cut to the u.s embassy and you see Jack there and he's meeting with the head of the embassy because Carlos wants Jack at an exchange for the for the hostages uh, to ID him. And they're they're going to give him ransom money, like 20 million for the hostages. And Jack wants him dead with, quote, minimal loss of life. And then the embassy guy is like, no, there's no loss of life. And all that sort of thing.
1: We and- don't we don't do we're the CIA. We
0: don't do that anymore. Wink, 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 and then well, that's the funny thing too that we get a, a little bit of overacting from Sutherland here too. Where he acts like so angry that it's like he overacts it to the point where I'm like, oh well, now you're just acting. Now you're just uh-huh. <laughs> now you're just no, pushing.
1: I, 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 can, I can I can see the strings moving now. Yeah, like, exactly. I can, I can if see the guy's
0: lips moving. If you would have played that more subtle, it might have worked. But <laughs> Absolutely. Again, again, I think direction is everything in this movie. But anyway, agreed, agreed. Anyway, so nonetheless, we. We see Henry hook up with uh, the old uh, f- the old forearm stiletto gun thingy uh, for the meetup. And then the uh, right before he can do something, because Carlos at this exchange goes to shake Henry's hand. And then and then Henry is about to, like, shoot him. And then that, that's when the uh, the guy from the embassy steps in and goes, don't shake his hand. You know how that's going to look, you know, and even though he doesn't know that he was actually trying to kill him or whatever. But mm.
1: <laughs> it was just supposed to convey how passionate he was about getting this guy, but yeah. it just kind of turned into this whole little mishmash of garbage.
0: It was, yeah, it was really awkward. It just sort of
1: just not great. He did successfully ID him, though.
0: That's about all he did. And then just stood there and watched him take his 20 million. Then we cut to. Almost ten years later, we're in. Suddenly, we're in Jerusalem in August of 1986. I always like how they uh, include the month. And the mm-hmm. only the only reason I can think of why they would include the month is because isn't there like a, a thing at the beginning of this movie where it says this was based on actual yeah. events or something like that? Or
1: yeah, or... and they're trying to
0: locate that to the historical date that something yeah. actually happened, right? Even though at this point, it's like, why, why even bother? But anyway, so now we're in August, whatever. We're in August. It's August. It's it's That's 1986. It's, it's August of 1986. The weather's lovely. And we are in Jerusalem. And we see what looks like maybe Carlos taking pictures. Well,
1: we think it's Carlos at this
0: point because we don't know any different. Right, exactly. And so the you see these local peeps start kind of following him. And he, he suddenly, you know, he realizes that they're trying to corner him. So he makes a run for it. You get your, your prerequisite run through a third world country market, tearing things down and throwing barrels and whatnot. <laughs> and anyway, he eventually gets caught by uh israeli forces and they have misidentified him as carlos because now we find out that he is anibal ramirez aka a lieutenant commander in the navy so and
1: a a dead ringer by the way for carlos
0: yes yes it's just a spitting image so close that they could basically play the same person if it was an actor playing Mm this the the, apparently there was it's just you know I mean, I couldn't tell the difference between the two actors myself. <laughs> I don't so, even know where they. I never knew where they made the switch. I didn't either. I mean, <laughs> it was seamless. So then, you know, we get this. We get this interrogation, and uh, again, we get a little bit more overacting from uh, Hayden Quinn, where he's like, yep. "I'm going to sue you. I'm going to sue your country." Well,
1: that was funny. But so, okay, so stick with me on this one. Yes. How do you convince somebody you're an American in a situation where you're not, they're not believing you're an American? That's true. You You start threatening, sue people. I think that was put in there. So it put a level of doubt in Ben Kingsley's character to go. Is anybody who complains this much about suing people, wouldn't they actually be an American?
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right. Go find his bag in the street. Find out who he is. And then sure enough. Yeah. Because they have that shot of him opening his wallet and he's like, oh, shit. So so then after we see that he actually is who he says he is, we cut. Then we cut to Norfolk, uh, Virginia a month later. Uh, where he comes home to his family and distracts his kids so bad that he gets nailed <laughs> in the side of the head while he's playing baseball. I was uh, every time I watched this movie for this review, I laughed during that moment because it's, it's so it's great. <laughs> it gets clocked so hard by that pitch, and he's up. He's like, "I'm okay. I'm yeah, okay." A, I I just thought it was so funny that <laughs> you can't it's it's so distracting like i'm just like because it doesn't belong in the movie it not at all because it was like comedic level violent and on top of it it was almost as if anibal didn't care that his kid yes. just got clocked in the head he just like kind of chuckled and like kissed his wife and and he's like i'm okay and then he runs towards his dad or whatever it was so overdone but it was hilarious every time i saw it so <laughs> Anyway. We cut to Henry Fields, who comes to the door of Ramirez's house and introduces himself as Jack Shaw, and then he just sort of stands there looking in wonderment at the resemblance that Annabal has to Carlos. And that's when we Annabal is just sort of like, What are you what what are we here for? Like what
1: Well, he thinks Jack is a representative of the government that's coming to discuss his potential lawsuit yeah, <laughs> against that's- Israel. Uh, the Mossad, Golda Meir, who the Jack reminds of. That's going to be a little hard on that one because Golda Meir is actually dead. Yeah. And he's like, well, they're going to have to dig her up. I'm like, wow.
0: <laughs> if you said that in Israel, they would have shot you. Yeah. Well, and honestly, I, I think it's Funny that this could have been played much more comedically and probably would have worked better. Maybe that's the only thing I can think of because otherwise it just sort of comes off as Annie Ball being not super likable, actually, in a way. Just because he uh, is so because he is so obsessed with like suing all these people and like, granted, granted, he went through some shit. He did, but but it's like I gotta think that if you're a an overseas enlisted you know soldier for the United States and you get into some shit. I don't know. I understand he thinks he got a raw deal, but it, it it's, it's a weird moment. In the, but I mean, in the
1: it's not the only time it comes up. He mentions it again when right. he meets Amos again. Yeah. I mean, it's a theme, and it feels like maybe either the writer, the director, or both Felt that was how you conveyed how an American actually would be. Right. It's almost, and I have to suspect maybe the oh, writers yeah. more than anything else, because Canadians know what <laughs> Americans are like. They live up there. They're looking right. down at us going, I'm glad we're not those people.
0: Right. Yeah. You
1: know, so unless That's you're a... doing it satirically, which maybe he was. Maybe the director was. Let's make it funny. Let's Starship Troopers just think literally <laughs> and make make Americans seem like they everybody thinks they're. I don't know. Yeah. But it, it felt intentional. I just didn't understand what the intent was.
0: Yeah. So anyway, he lets them into his house and then they go back to the backyard and, you know, Henry or Jack, whoever, whatever you want to call Donald Sutherland at this point, he finally is able to get a word in edgewise with with Anibal, who's just reeling off all this stuff about how he wants to sue people or whatnot he lets him know that he works for the cia and that telling him all about carlos and how dangerous he is and how nobody has been successful in getting carlos but now he's got an ace in the hole because Annabal looks just like carlos and so that's when we get that one line which i did think was kind of funny that they dropped in there where
1: i think he came to the wrong address The man you're looking for, his name is uh, Bond. James Bond. He lives over there in London, England, drives an Aston Martin. You can't miss him. (laughs) You can't miss him. He stands out.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Allegedly, he's the world's greatest spy, but everybody seems to know who he is. But anyway, (laughs) that's neither here nor there. So then we cut to this, uh, this fancy ball reception thing which is kind of the beginning of this kind of like a pressure play by Henry to get Annibal to do this this thing for him but we we're at this fancy ball and we see the naval admiral greeting incoming navy officers and that's when we get that great little exchange between Annibal and his and his wife Uh, When they're talking to the admiral and the admiral assumes that he's Mexican and we get that horrible line about like, oh, I love Mexican food, even though my stomach doesn't agree with it or, Uh. (laughs) or whatever. And then and then we do get that really great little moment from his wife just being like very elegantly. Saying, well, you know, you could come over and and you'd actually be eating Cuban. And I think it would agree with you much more. And then, right, and it was so smooth and she delivered it really well too. It was like, I will say, I honestly, I think her performance might be my favorite of the whole movie. The more I think about it.
1: <laughs> I mean, she convincingly played a naval wife who in good times and, and bad. In bad times. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, she saw the script. She's like, I can nail this. And yeah. then she came in and she nailed it.
0: Yeah. So anyway, we find out that they're Cuban, not Mexican, and then suddenly uh, Jack's kind of swoops in into Ramirez's way, and he's like, "Hi!" And then he just full pest mode. Just <laughs> and he's speaking Spanish to Annabelle's wife, and and mm-hmm. then and then Annabelle's like, "Well, she speaks English," and he's like, "Well, I bet you're just embarrassed to speak it and just trying to twist the knife about right. you know trying to make him feel somehow resentful." About his heritage, you know, about having to hide his heritage from the admiral, and and really just trying to make it seem like the navy was the bad were the bad guys, and right, you know. and then he literally says in the in that scene, like, "Come to the dark side." Oh God, <laughs> there were some moments I'm, of dialogue I, in there that were, <laughs>
1: I'm just yeah, I you know me personally, <laughs> I love I love a good Star Wars reference in a movie. Not right. being delivered by Donald Sutherland while he's trying to convince somebody to do
0: something really, really bad, but I do like <laughs> it normally. It's usually dropped in without referencing the Darth movie, Vader, the movie itself, and you know. But so <laughs> <laughs> Annabelle sort of shakes him off, and Jack is just sort of left, sort of wringing his hands that he can't convince him there. And then, so then we cut to the next day, I'm assuming, and Henry's back at Annabelle's doorstep and this time he's got like a big 80s style like a mobile phone a big block big brick phone oh yeah and uh and he gives it to Annabelle to listen to and like Annabelle's face just sort of falls flat and you can right. only assume was he talking to the president i don't know the president know who... the admiral maybe or may, yeah, it could have been his own admiral that was, you know, urging him to do this or whatever. But whatever it was, it was enough to convince him to then fly by helicopter to this hospital with with Henry, where they're both they're both dressed undercover as surgeons, and they wind up in this operating room. This is so strange because like even they're dressed this way, and yet we don't get exposition from. Annabelle until after this happens about oh you just took me here just this is all the setup it's like well of course this is a setup you're wearing doctor clothes you're not even right. you know like so anyway the, yeah they wind up there and they see this kid who's uh, supposed to have a, a some surgery and he's all like really badly yeah.
1: he was banged. all mangled up from an explosion
0: that yeah, carlos that caused allegedly
1: Allegedly,
0: and then from there you can start to see the the horror on Annabelle's face, and then and then Jack hands him this dossier filled with more horrifying pictures of all the death and destruction that Carlos has caused, trying to further urge him to to do it. And it's just very almost made for TV kind of stuff in this in this area. It's a little it's a little rough, um, but you basically <laughs> figure out that he's going to bend. <laughs> And and he's going to accept the mission and and go forward with it. So naturally, since this is a secret CIA mission, uh, Annabelle can't tell his wife or kids anything. Uh, They just think he's headed off with the Navy again. So we get this goodbye scene uh, with him and his family at a a submarine base in Connecticut. And (laughs) I just, I have in my notes here, like the red hair that he's got, like dyed right there is just it's just really bad right there. I was just like, wow. <laughs> like you guys did a screen test right there and we we're just like, yep, thumbs up. Let's go for it. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. <laughs> <laughs> so, we can correct that, right? Sure, whatever. Sure, on. sure. It's fine. On. So anyway, so that's when the training begins. <laughs> and oh boy, this, this training... This training might be my favorite part of the whole thing because it's so over-the-top ridiculous. That well, and
1: it's it's like almost a half-hour montage.
0: Yeah, yeah. With I little mean, speedy it, bits of montage and yeah, then longer bits of montage. Exactly. So we start off and we cut to this old, junked-out, abandoned jail in Montreal, Canada. A. A, convenient. Um, which practically looks like Siberia. Um, and it's yeah. you know, snow and, you know, it's very, very cold or whatever. So we find out that Annibal is now operating under the name Miguel uh, so that no one at this weird jail facility knows who he is. Uh, and then we sort of get the uh, <laughs> then we get the exposition as they're walking through the jail that allows us to believe why Aiden Quinn is playing <laughs> this fellow, uh, is because we get this background bit where Henry brings up that Annabelle's mother was Irish and that his dad was Cuban or whatnot. And so that's that's where the mix is. It's very uh it's very quantum a <laughs> That's the closest estimation I can find to it. It's sort of <laughs> but uh anyway, I digress. So then they walk into this one room, which I like to call the world's worst Q branch. Um, <laughs> which is the quote surveillance and satellite tracking center. And they state that the uh they have satellites passing over Libya and East Germany, the two places that Carlos are currently have safe houses in. But then he also mentions that the Russians know when these satellites pass over, and therefore Carlos probably knows as well. So, which is probably why they've had trouble locating him or whatnot. Right. So, and then Ben Kingsley. <laughs> like, we we walk in and Amos turns around and, and immediately, you know, Annable is all worked up and pissed Still off. Still going to sue you. Yeah. Sue, sue, sue. Litigate. Right. Litig- <laughs> la- 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 litigate. That's what Americans do, right? <laughs> so anyway, we shoot guns
1: and we litigate. And we litigate.
0: Ah. Ah. So, <laughs> so then we find out that uh, Amos is part of uh, a israeli american task force yeah like a like an american israeli task force to try and hunt down carlos so yeah we eventually come to know that amos is kind of the good cop to sutherland's bad cop amos explains that you can't just kill carlos because that's one of the things that we get that we get right here is Annabelle sort of questioning amos like well if you've seen him here and there why didn't you just kill him? And Amos is like, "Well, you can't just kill Carlos if you get within eye shot of him because his people will come after you. He'll come; they'll come after your family. You can't just do that." So I don't know if I believe that reasoning. That feels a little maybe but, Carlos was in the mob. Who knows? Yeah, well, that that could very well be the case. I don't know. I didn't <laughs> I didn't read up on the on the non-fiction version of Carlos. So I really don't know. But uh, I like how they, in this moment when they're talking about how they, they've they been watching him and they know kind of where he's going back and forth between, <laughs> they say, don't let all this equipment fool you. But the equipment in that room looks like digi beta decks that I used to work on when I was like an assistant <laughs> editor in like 2007. <laughs> like, there's not high-tech equipment in there. But that's what happens when you watch older spy movies. You get old tech.
1: And you know, the funny thing about that is that that was probably mostly non-functional equipment that was purchased uh, from companies that actually used it as surplus. And then they just throw it in because people don't know, right? You know what it is?
0: Yeah. So they just called it surveillance equipment and, you know. Or maybe it was, and they just didn't know that it really was surveillance equipment. Who knows? So anyway, so then we get to the the training, like improper, in this movie, and I think I have a theory about this part of it. I have I my theory is that Kristen Duguay started with this training sequence and built the rest of the movie around it because this is where he creates all these things that will eventually pay off. Like he clearly thought about, I'm going to do this training sequence and then I'm going to make sure that he uses everything he learns in this training sequence at some point down the line. Yes. And 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 that was his whole, and everything else was just, well, I need a story to go around this training scene. So I'll <laughs> use this Carlos guy as, as my you know, MacGuffin (laughs) and and proceed forward. Hey, you know what it is as valid and plausible a theory as anything else about
1: how this movie was made the way it was made.
0: Yeah. So they start in this cold cemetery that's outside of the prison. And, uh, and, and we get this, uh, they're, they're walking past, They're talking about, you know, well, what's the, what's the mission? And they won't tell him exactly what the mission is. And then, and then they stop and he's like, what were the last three names that we passed on the tombstones? And he, and of course he can't do it. He doesn't, he only knows like one of them or whatever. And he's like, well, what do you, what does it matter? And they're like, well, these are things that you need to know. You need to be aware of your surroundings at all at all times. <laughs> Carlos would have Carlos would have known the name of every uh headstone that he passed as we were walking. Yes. They're they try and explain that Carlos is highly trained and all this stuff they're about to teach him so that he can become Carlos and and be a quote unquote Superman. So whatever that is supposed to mean. So then we get this uh <sighs> The first of a couple, what I like to call karate kid-style training moments, where, <laughs> where he is forced to eat this giant pot full of porridge, and there's no answer as to why. This is his version of sand the floor. <laughs> so so he has <laughs> to eat all this porridge, and, and we, we don't find out right away. And then he does this paintball exercise at the cemetery, where he has to run around and shoot the name they call out. With Meanwhile, there's like three other, three guys out there with paintball guns shooting at him that he has to avoid in the meantime. So that's that's the next thing we see. Then he has to go into this model kitchen that's complete with a stocked fridge where he has to, there's like, he has 30 seconds to look in the fridge and try and remember everything in it and, and what that would mean. So, and this is all leading up to Things that we, it's just, it's so crazy that they, that they really did. They were like, okay, he's going to learn this. He's going to learn this. He's going to learn this. And Mm -hmm. then he's going to be out there and it's suddenly going to pay. off Right. (laughs) But only, only those skills. Yes. Only those skills. And I think there's one, if I remember correctly, I probably have it in my notes here somewhere that, that doesn't pay off. There's one that doesn't. So anyway, (laughs) So he has to remember everything that's in the fridge. Then we get some Rocky four style sit-ups from the balcony, uh, handrail <laughs> where he's leaning back over the handrail and doing these like sit-ups from Rocky, like he's in Siberian in Rocky four. Right. <laughs> and then meanwhile, Ben Kingsley is like up in his face, smoking this cigar. And I wonder if that has something to do with the training as well. Hmm. Mm. So, <laughs> So anyway, so then they. Take him outside, and then just one more thing: they take him outside in the cold, and they attach a tracking transmitter to him. And then they have these remote control snowmobiles chasing after him, which is so weird. They had yeah. thre- they had three guys to shoot him. They don't have three guys to to, to, drive, to drive the snow. snowmobiles. <laughs> Were they off that day? Like what? <laughs> Were they worried that this? Well, anyway, I, I just I couldn't understand why they had to be remote controlled unless they were robot slave to that tracking device maybe that's the only thing i can think of cuz you never see somebody with a with an actual remote right it's it's they're just following him <laughs> snowmobile drones snowmobile drones so then then that's when they turn up the music and we truly get a fast paced training montage. It's a a training montage. It's a
1: motherfucking montage. (laughs) So
0: so then we get in, in very quick order, all the things we already saw. Cemetery pushups, cigar in the face, driving in this snow. Oh, that's, that's the other one driving in the snow. Don't hit Donald Sutherland. (laughs) (laughs) And then more porridge. Yuck snowmobiles, more driving. (laughs) So finally, after all this, he's like super pissed off. And they're uh, they're sitting at the at the meal table that he eats at in this prison every day, and he finishes his bowl of porridge, and then, <laughs> and then Ben Kingsley is like, "Great, now eat more porridge," and that's when Annabelle just like loses his fucking shit all over, <laughs> and so so they finally explain to him, and that's when we get the stand the floor. Wax on, wax off. Oh, these are karate moves. So that's what they explained to him that Carlos hated porridge because his dad fed it to him every single day and how Carlos's dad smoked cigars and he hated smelling them every day, yada, yada, yada. And so all these things are meant to train him to be just like Carlos and even have instinctual reactions to certain things, visceral reactions to very specific things so that he... So that he's more like Carlos in that respect. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so from here we get another stage kitchen moment where now you can tell that he's improving and Annabelle seems much more observant of things. And he's able to put uh two and two together faster. And then we're then we're in the cemetery training and Annabelle nails it. And then from here, Henry finally sort of divulges. That the plan to get Carlos is to make the KGB essentially kill him for them. And that they're going to convince the KGB that Carlos is ready to defect to the CIA for like $50 million. But then, of course, Amos Amos, and Henry, which is, <laughs> sounds like the name of a, another movie we could... If this this movie had actually been like amazing and and required a spinoff, it'd be called Amos and Henry: the Wild, exactly the Wild Adventures adventures of of Amos and Henry. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, they Amos and Henry tell him he isn't ready, and then of course Annabelle walks away in a huff, and he's super pissed off, and he walks back into the into the jail, and he has some more porridge, (laughs) and then we find out that Amos and Henry had put drugs in the porridge. And so he gets this animal has this crazy we get this crazy hallucination scene and this Jeff is where we get more right bad back in the Lynchian man <laughs> we get more weird CGI nuttiness <laughs> so, but he sees it's this thing where they 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 purposefully are trying to mind fuck. Anibal into thinking that he and Carlos are the same person. That's I think yeah. that's what they're essentially trying to get across, because you see things that are in Carlos's life, and then you see things that are in Anibal's life, and they're and they're somehow weirdly mingling or whatever. Yes,
1: um, he's finally bringing it all together so that he can go be what they need him to be.
0: Right, and and it looks like oh, well, it's it's really funny because they then they go to they cut to the next morning and. Amos and Henry are walking in and they're like, did we go too far with this this time? I don't know, you know, or whatever. And they they walk in and <laughs> Annabelle appears to be fine, sort of, but he looks a little maniacal, almost like Joker crazy, kind of like he's like somehow pleased with himself that he made it through the night and all of his hallucinations, but he doesn't seem quite like the same person anymore, which I mean... Good on Aiden Quinn for being convincing as somehow, you know, sort of changing his his personality right there. Right, 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 right. So so that sort of works. And there's some moments. There's there's some moments. There are a couple of moments. That's the thing. It's like this is truly I mean, I think we can just come right out and say this is pretty much on the director because clearly each of these actors have chops in yes. moments where they're allowed to do what they are paid to do, what they're good at doing, and, and right. I think you know here and there they get it right. Maybe when the director's not looking, <laughs>
1: <laughs> or all the all the takes that he got
0: weren't as good, or maybe they got lost, or well, I guess we have to go with that one. Right? Exactly. Yeah, there was like a there was a fly in the last take, so he had to use the. The other one, <laughs> who knows? Guess we're
1: going with this one, I Guess don't know. we're
0: going with this one. But yeah, so basically we find out that Annibal is now officially ready, which kind of takes us into the second act of, of this uh, treacherous movie. Treacherous, that's, that's a nice way of putting
1: it. So yeah, so now we're going to actually get to the spy part. Yeah. Of this spy movie. Right, right. Um, we end up cutting over to the Dead Sea in Israel. Annabal, Jack, and Amos are all driving around in a car. Um <laughs> oh boy. And, and oh my he, god. He think he thinks he's getting ready to jump into the mission, but what he finds out is that he's actually jumping into more training. Yes. Uh, specifically, how to be Carlos with the ladies.
0: <laughs> he's literally learning how to have sex like Carlos. <laughs> exactly. Carlos after dark, <laughs> and I mean
1: the, between Amos and and Henry with the whole you're gonna like this assignment not gonna be really hard for you yeah oh Meanwhile, so cringy
0: so cringy yeah. right there like you get that gross smile from Sutherland just like like he thinks that that somehow Annabelle's gonna love this. And he's like, no, this sucks. <laughs> this is a
1: good, this is a good Catholic boy over here who loves his wife. That's and right. now you're telling him that as part of his training, he has to go cheat on her.
0: Right, exactly. And so- he
1: doesn't seem at all okay <laughs> with that. Yeah. And we get some disgusting lines in the car. Yeah. And, and and the one line where Ben Kingsley completely reveals who he actually is as a human being, not <laughs> yeah. necessarily his character, but he's like, when in doubt, close your eyes. Think of England. You know, <laughs> I don't really think an Israeli is gonna say that, but <laughs> Ben's Kingley's is, Israeli is definitely gonna say
0: it. <laughs> exactly. It's very
1: on brand.
0: Yeah. That line from Sutherland of don't look at this as cheating on your wife. Look at it as fucking your, fucking flag. your flag. Yeah. Oh, well wow.
1: okay?
0: A. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That was definitely a a Canadian uh this is this is definitely what Americans do. This is definitely how Americans feel. Wow. Maybe, Let, maybe 40, 45% of the country feels that way. I don't know. L- lest we all
1: forget that Donald himself is Canadian. Yes. but uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's bad. And it goes from bad to worse because we get this little sort of interstitial moment where we cut to KGB headquarters in Moscow. And, you know, they've learned about the fake information that's been planted that, you know, there's 50 million put into an account to a Mr. Paulo Ortega. And they're now trying <laughs> to find out who paulo ortega is and uh see who, who they're dangling a very large carrot in front of uh, although it was all in russian so they weren't any bad russian accents like that one um <laughs> then we so then we jump back to israel or wherever it is that we are getting ready to walk on to the world's weirdest porn set because <laughs> If you if you thought that opening scene was weird, here's yeah. where you start, here's where you start getting the cinemax that I remember as a 16-year-old <laughs> boy, which was basically softcore produced or hardcore that was edited to be softcore. This... And it was just like, hello, my name is Thada. You have to learn to be like him. He wants to seduce you. He wants to love you. He wants you to love him and do nothing more. Oh my
0: God! Can we it just is talk? Terrible. This, it, it, this this set. It looks like they are in some building that where people have been squatting and dealing drugs out of. But for whatever reason, they've all abandoned it now. And, they're and now just she's happening. in there to fuck him. <laughs> right? It's so like red shoe diaries <laughs> mixed in with a little extra violence for for yep, good measure yep,
1: yep. <laughs> you know it's like it's like stefan on saturday life this set has everything janky <laughs> ho with a button down dress <laughs> dirty floors cigarette smoking and smacking a bitch around
0: <laughs> it's something else man
1: and i mean the point i i get the point she's trying to say that The reason Carlos is able to influence so many women to get them to do what he wants, is he's so charismatic and he's very good in bed and anybody who he's so good at these things that any woman who's been with him would know if it wasn't
0: him. Right, right. That's the whole idea behind it. It's just, I really wonder if this is like a thing in the real life Carlos's biography, or if this is just like some fantasy in the mind of, of Mr. And Mr. Delgado I was like, you know what? I'm going to use this as an opportunity to uh uh put my my hat in the ring to be the next uh director of HBO late night style shows. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> I mean, I it's put in there I think to really drive home that he becomes Carlos because there's payoff for this later on sure. when he comes back from the mission. Right. But uh, the way it's handled, it's like, okay, well, I'm a little tired of shooting an action-adventure movie right now. now <laughs> I just want to shoot softcore porn. And so <laughs> this scene is going to be set up like a soft porn Cinemax film or something off the Playboy channel that you were lucky enough to not see scrambled.
0: This is what this is. I'm just glad that they did go to a sort of a film burn transition to get out of there before it got really yes cr- cringy before it got overly cringy and overly graphic i mean it, it's graphic but it's not as it's,
1: it is it, it was r-rated it certainly could have gone more if yeah. they really wanted it to But right. god knows maybe it did and somebody's like no Chris,
0: <laughs> you gotta we're drawing
1: the line right here
0: <laughs> it's bad enough that this is gonna be a, a really like local release uh so
1: Anyway, so he learns he learns how to, to you know, fuck like a porn star, I guess. <laughs> and, um, you know, we move on to, uh, I'm going to butcher this poor girl's name, but Anginesca? I think it's Agnesca. I'm going to say Anginesca because I can pronounce that. If it's wrong, okay. who cares? <laughs> uh, so, meanwhile, so we jump to Paris where a fancily dressed woman picks up her mail and, you know, she's all beside herself because she... Think she's been summoned by Carlos little messenger coming and I need you to do something for me and blah 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 blah, blah. and it's very fancy writing. <laughs> for
0: apparently, what it is. Apparently uh Carlos's calligraphy is outstanding as well.
1: Is there anything this guy can't do?
0: <laughs> Honestly,
1: I mean he is imagine Superman. imagine if he was a force for good. Imagine. <laughs> imagine. Anyway, we cut from there to uh Amos telling Annabelle that uh, the KGB is now monitoring Anya and and uh that he has to meet her and convince her that he is carlos to get her to buy into the scheme that they're trying to do because she's a key element to it they want the kgb seeing her seeing carlos so that they put together that he's paul ortega and that he's the guy and the things and all the things all all the the plot things that are going on there so (laughs) he has to ask her to handle some bank transactions for him which will then give a electronic trail
0: go into the bank account of said ortega person
1: right and so establishing that that's exactly who he was uh which will then allow the kgb to understand that they'll make sure that the kgb will see carlos talking to someone they being amos and and henry uh with someone from the cia but then of course turns out to be henry with the bad hair. Um, anyway. Henry <laughs> uh, with
0: the bad hair. I mean, well, it
1: was closer to the good hair from earlier, but not to be confused version... with
0: Becky with the good hair.
1: <laughs> no, 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 definitely not to be confused with that. So training done, establishment
0: set, the mission begins. Yay! Well, we, we do get that that interesting scene between Amos and Annabal where they have that heart-to-heart talk on the on the road. And that big truck like flies by. Oh yeah, drives right behind it. He doesn't even flinch. And it's sort of that final like I'm a good cop moment. He's trying to because this is another payoff thing that they do where where Amos is trying to say you're going to have this point where. You don't know how to you're gonna have a moment of panic and you're not gonna know what to do. And the only way to get out of it is to channel what Carlos would do. Right. And so so of course that's exactly what happens basically in the next scene almost. Exactly. But, but yeah, and then and then we I, I don't know what the whole idea was behind having the truck drive right past him without him flinching. Is it just the director to, thought it was cool? It just it's just supposed to make Amos seem really cool, calm, and collected, and so be like Amos.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Always be like Amos. If you can't be like Batman, be, be like, like a- Amos.
0: <laughs> be like Amos.
1: So we, we get on to the mission beginning. They they've established that uh Carlos is a Tripoli. So uh we're we're at Tripoli, Libya. It's May nineteen eighty seven. In case you're all wondering, whatever your favorite movie was in May, this was happening when that movie was out. That's right. And he comes in, but this time as Carlos, although not as Carlos, but Carlos in uh, disguise again, (laughs) thankfully not a hippie disguise because, you know, it is 87 after all. He had to look more like a yuppie, not a hippie, which I think he pulled off pretty well. But again, Um, a dude
0: dude playing a dude disguised as another dude.
1: Disguised as another dude where, you know. Do you think Downey watched this for Tropic Thunder to really (laughs) get his motivation? If I ever meet him, I'm asking. That's the first question. But anyway, so he gets in. He gets through customs. He gets a whole sort of, what business are you in? Petroleum. Okay. Off he goes. (laughs) Nobody cares. He's just a guy in a suit. He arrives at the hotel where he's staying at him, realizes there's eyes everywhere. And to be honest with you. For someone who would be Carlos, he was way too conspicuous about looking at
0: people. For someone who doesn't want to be looked at, he was overly conscious about looking at people. Well, and it doesn't help that he's driving into town in a nice car. He's wearing, you know, like a $3,000 suit. And then he's being really like free with saying hello to all these kids that are swarming him. As he gets out of the car.
1: Well, I mean, we could probably discuss motivations on that. They wanted (laughs) wanted him flashy, so he was on somebody's radar, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Honestly, I just think the director's like, wouldn't it be cool if? (laughs) And that's what they did. Yeah. I mean, I'm serious. I feel like that's what it is more and more of the time. But anyway, he gets up to the room and... You know, earlier during the uh, that little discussion, the, the tete-a-tete that he had with Amos in the truck, right. he says, you're going to get to a point where you're freaking out. Just got to dunk your head in the water, pull your head out. When you're looking at yourself in the mirror, you have to become Carlos, right? Mm. And, there and so are. there we are in the hotel, <laughs> dunking my head in the water. This one was so on the nose. <laughs> it could have been a pimple or dirty pores. I mean, but yeah, he, he gets in there and he gets out. And I mean, he's he's Carlos when he comes out, man.
0: Yeah. He well, got his
1: personal shit together and figured it out.
0: There you go.
1: Um, from there, we cut out to two dudes on a stakeout. Uh, Watching for Anjoneska, who is walking to meet Carlos, perhaps. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She comes in and is met by someone who she thinks is some kind of an agent who's demanding to know where Carlos is. Want to know where he's going to be? And if she's getting interrogated, basically, and she thinks she's been, her cover's been blown and she's hosed, uh, only to find out that ha, ha ha no, it's it's the dude playing a dude disguised as another dude, disguised as another dude,
0: another <laughs> one more layer with the bald cap on. That's which right. He's so oh, gro- and he's God. so gro- he's so gropy when he's like pushing her down too. Oh,
1: did it sort of? Didn't it sort of vaguely remind you of the whole French guy talking in True Lies? No, Slower. <laughs> slower than that. I mean, it was just super creepy the whole thing, and then he pulls off the Lex Luthor thing and poorly. I mean, I. I have watched Tom Cruise pull off a mask. There is a good way to pull off a mask. There's a bad way. And he was not doing it the Tom Cruise way. Absolutely. And it was just a headpiece. And he couldn't even get that right. Nope, they had to cut away. That's right. So (laughs) off comes the bald cap. Click, click, click. Um, And all of a sudden, he's Carlos. And then he goes through and does the little Carlos things to convince her that he's Carlos. Because he learned all those things in the training montage. Right. (laughs) Um, and then, with, then we get a quick cut to he- a- amos and henry on a boat and they, they've been sort oh, of back and forth on this and um <laughs> this is and, actually kind of funny like, <laughs> yeah what do you think he's doing right now and amos is like practicing safe sex <laughs> that might be the funniest line in the whole movie to it be might actually with be the honest, honestly so as we get past that once again people having sex yep although yeah it was a little more subdued on this one i you know it's like there's it the aftermath more than anything else
0: right of well the they, had, they do they do have that they do throw in that one little moment where she's like you're different or something like that well, like, yeah and then and then he like gets more then he says some like he deflects Shithead. yeah he deflects and says some shithead thing and then just goes after going after <laughs> right and then she's like oh i guess you're still the same old Carlos, so the whatever. same old
1: asshole that I can't stop loving. <laughs> <laughs> um, Classic love he,
0: story. <laughs>
1: that's right. So he gets up, goes into the kitchen, and starts looking around at things and using his new superpowers of detection. Uh, <laughs> comes to the conclusion that someone's been there recently that wasn't him and wasn't her, and that he guesses from that that she may have met with someone else. So he immediately goes into full Carlos interrogation mode and really just lays in on her. I mean, just like,
0: who are you? What are
1: you saying? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And eventually gets his gun out and, you know, threatening, I'm going to shoot you if you don't tell me what you know. Right. And finally, she reveals that, you know, she was burned by the French Secret Service and that, you know, that's what's driving this whole thing. Right. And then, of course, He's like, oh, shit, gotta go, because here they come. And <laughs> all those French guys are running. Run, run,
0: run, 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 run. Now, I will say that this escape might be like you were talking about. The action moments in this movie are probably, probably the best put together moments in the movie.
1: Agreed. Probably and, all shot by a second unit director who knew what he
0: was doing. Yeah, so there you go. And so, yeah, this escape actually works pretty darn well. There's some... There's some good little bits in here that are that are actually kind of fun to watch.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and unlike some other spy movies I'm looking at you Mission Impossible. Fairly plausible in the way everything was kind of put through. Yeah. Other than that ankle-busting jump that he did to the other balcony. I, I had a little trouble with no tuck and roll on that that he was able to walk and run after that successfully, but but I mean we get we get a lot of good moments, you know. He, like I said, he jumps off from the balcony uh, into another room, kind of Quantum of solace y as well. Yeah. Um, he gets into the stairwell where he gets into a fight with an agent, uh, shoots the guy in the head. And I mean, at that point, he starts getting fucked up because he just not only did he shoot somebody, he knows that they're French Secret Service. So they're allies of the United States. Right. So he starts having a moment.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he has a parade of moments.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's like all you wanted to when those scenes came on, you, you hear the music from Kill Bill when the bride's looking at anybody. It's like.
0: <laughs> you get the double uh imprint of of
1: right and the camera pulling in and pulling back and they double expose it so that <laughs> yeah, it's like exa- it's exactly. some kind of psychedelic bullshit <laughs> but he shoots a guy in the head he managed to get from rooftop to rooftop and eventually down to the ground level and it's suddenly nighttime apparently yeah. so that was a really long rundown wherever he was going yeah um <laughs> uh, but so from there we get to see him basically do the uh, graveyard shooting where there's three other gunmen. He's all like kapow one, Kapow, two, Capow three, and instead of relishing it, being what a fucking badass I am, he's like, I killed three more innocent people. <laughs> yeah, oh, quit being such a crybaby. I mean, <laughs> come on, Revel Bond doesn't cry when he shoots three guys, and he's well, like, he's
0: a sociopath. So, <laughs> there is that.
1: That's true. You know, there was that moment though when uh, he's on the balcony before he jumps off onto the other balcony, yes. where he takes the silencer off the pistol so he can shoot more accurately. Yeah, see, little moments like that made me wonder. Who was talking about grenades? Was it the same armor who was talking about pistols? <laughs> and did that guy say, "Yeah, grenades don't do that"? Um, and the and the director's like, "Well, mine do." And I, <laughs> I, I don't know, but um, I did like you know the guy falling. The last guy he shoots, falls from the roof, lands on power lines, and to make him feel even worse, doesn't die from a bullet wound. He dies, dies from, from being electric execution. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> So that's really playing with uh, with Annabelle's head at this point. It's tra- It it's really is the point where they're trying to say his training is paying off. Everything you watch in the montage, you're seeing here. Super detective skills, deadly accuracy, can fuck like a stallion. People will do what he wants. He can be mean. He can be an ass. All they really need was him running past a kid eating porridge and him going blah, blah. blah. And then shooting
0: the kid and and you would have had everything. And that reminded me, that's the one thing that they never pay off. They never pay off the damn porridge ever. They don't because he doesn't have a moment where he's talking about it with Carlos.
1: Nope. He doesn't have anything. It's just a point saying, we're making you do this so that you become more like him. But there's nothing that says that it's going to apply. And honestly, would you think porridge eating would apply? I I feel like it could have. (laughs) Maybe like a drinking contest, like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, was a porridge eating. contest. I don't know, but they obviously didn't feel like they needed to put it in the script, and I don't really care. Yeah. Um, so he gets in a car that he steals, a taxi cab that he steals from this poor guy who was just trying to make a living. And as he's driving, crashes into red paint, which spills all over the car. We have another.
0: Oh my moment. god! He, oh my god! Like he's got instant PTSD.
1: Right, from, from killing these guys. There's no shock. He's not in shock. He's not in any kind of adrenaline rush. He's instantly feeling everything that regular human beings would need a couple of minutes to come down from before they start feeling it. Right. Um, in the matter of the chase, all of his tires come off. He's driving on the rims, going downstairs, quickly pulls up and yanks the e-brake. And the car magically sends the car chasing him over him, put <laughs> on the stairs, and then it blows
0: up. Yes. Well, you know that's how physics and chemistry and that's how movie physics work. I guess. Do car, did cars explode that easily in the
1: eighties? Wasn't there? What was the car that did? Well, that was the Pinto. I think they fixed that by the eighties.
0: Yeah, they but should have been driving Hugos. I think they were driving Volvos, weren't they? I don't know. I could.
1: It was some. I given Libya or anywhere there was some kind of a French car. I'm guessing. Oh yeah, um, a Peugeot a Citroen, something like that. I don't know <laughs> what. A, But I mean, regardless of what they are, they don't blow up like that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They don't blow up like that, just like French cafes don't blow up from one frag grenade. We loved our fire effects in this movie, and they were all shitty, (laughs) is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Um, So the local authorities arrive, animals gone, of course. But meanwhile, somebody in a van, would it be ZKGP? RGB? No, no, hmm. one is talking, I, so we don't know from exits what is I'm happening.
0: Going to take picture here. But they're taking, is-
1: they're taking pictures. Because that's what the CIA wants. That's They right. want him. They want, him, they want <laughs> proof. So then we jump over to the real Carlos, who's in bed with a woman. It's like, that's all this guy does is kill people and have sex. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I'm not slightly jealous. But that's all he does. Um, one of his guys comes in and tells him there's been a shooting of consequence (laughs) i'm having sex is this really that important well you know (laughs) well you know henchmen are so good henchmen are so hard to find even in the
0: (laughs) they Um, just they just always interrupt at the wrong time
1: Exactly. So magically, Annibal has found his way back to Amos and Henry on their boat. And of course, he's pissed off because Anjaniska was working for the French DSD, and he had to shoot a bunch of them. And rather than getting any kind of sympathy, or we understand why you might have some concerns about this, Annibal. We're like cops get shot all the time. It's yeah. occupational hazard. You didn't friendly fire. They didn't fire.
0: Yeah. They didn't know what we
1: were doing. We didn't know what they were doing. They were doing it was one of those classic fuck-ups that we'll all laugh about in the community 20 years from now. But <laughs> you still got a job to do, son. So get <laughs> your shit together.
0: That's right. Oh, oh my gosh! So silly spies.
1: Yeah, what do what you what are you gonna do? Has,
0: hashtag silly spy shit.
1: Has, hashtag silly spy shit. Um, so then we fade back from Annabal to Carlos, which is uh, you know Let's let's stop here for a second. There were some good transitions between Annibal and Carlos. There were some bad ones where they are trying to get you to bite into you as one or the other. Right. But they did have some pretty good transitions. And, like, this one really showed you how good an actor Aiden Quinn actually is, going from being that to this exact same guy, and the intensity levels being so much different.
0: Yes. It's literally the same. You're fading from the same actor to the same actor. Right. And yet, it's clearly two different characters.
1: Right. So... Uh, he's talking about why would uh, Ingenesca betray him. So he says starts talking a lot about how someone must have leaked a safe house and he's got the, the two dudes and the chick and he's like, but you know, walks up to the guy, but it's not you. You're my, you are my number one. God. <laughs> Does his and best. then shoots him.
0: And does then his, shoots him. Does his best uh, Jack Palance it's Jack, in, best impersonation.
1: His no, his best Jack Nicholson doing Jack Palance. Yes. So he's also the guy playing the dude, dude, playing the dude, playing the other dude. <laughs> shoots that guy. And I got to tell you, not a whole lot going <laughs> in that scene. But that blonde <laughs> chick that was there in there. Looked genuinely terrified. Genuinely like She rattle. didn't know that was, like, the director. like, I'm not going to tell them what happened. <laughs> Let's get their real reaction. <laughs> I heard Ridley Scott did that in Alien. I would not put it
0: past Christian Duguay. <laughs> like,
1: no. So, kills he kills this dude, and then they cut two days later in Paris, where Ponytail Guy not only shoots Anjoneska in the head, but for good measure, blows up all the cars around them to kill all the security guys, as I right. have to say- Fuck you. And the horse she wrote in on. <laughs> Boom. Quite literally. Quite literally. So she's dead. Carlos is avenged. We move on to uh Heathrow Airport, where we see Annabelle covertly sitting down next to two people that could be easily identified by anybody <laughs> in Carlos army, I would imagine, or group of people. <laughs> right. Um, just just have a little chat at the airport with Amos and Henry. Uh he's ready to go home and see his family. I ain't doing this shit anymore. I just killed four people for no reason and we aren't any closer to where we need to be. So fuck you. I'm going home. <laughs> and uh Henry's like, No, you're not. You're not doing this because of this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm gonna go check on our flight connections.
0: Which seems silly to me yeah just like <laughs> i'm gonna go to wetzel's i'm gonna go to wetzel's pretzels real <laughs> exactly. quick i'll be back i gotta go hit the hudson
1: news over here and go get uh john grisham's new paperback for the flight i'll be back but <laughs> he goes Annabelle gets up to walk around.
0: Although that's actually exactly where Annabelle goes. Uh, That's the (laughs) news. Right. To go get something out of the gift shop.
1: He walks in to get some smokes and looking at a newspaper, the ponytail guy shows up thinking he's Carlos, gives him a secret code password that he can't answer that he tries to bullshit his way through it. Right, but the guy's not having any of it. <laughs> so you know he's basically like, ah, I'm just going to go ahead and kill you. Let's go to the bathroom, and I'll do it there. Because
0: you know why they went to the bathroom is because they're like, Jason is going to hate this scene. <laughs> That's right. We've we've got an hour and twenty six minutes into this film, but nope, we're not <laughs> going to miss the chance to piss it is Jason not a off. True
1: spy movie until we have a fight scene in a bathroom. That is right. So that twenty six year old kid living in an undisclosed location can go, God damn it. A fucking bathroom scene.
0: <laughs> so anyway, we, we're in the bathroom. Um, But in the meantime, we see that like Amos, Amos sees, Amos sees all of this going on from his vantage point where he was right. sitting. And he, he's like, Oh shit,
1: something's going down. So I need to go make sure that it doesn't go down. Right. Um, And, and it goes down poorly. He shoots, ponytail, he shoots ponytail guy. Ponytail guy gets him twice
0: the double Hello. whammy,
1: and then we get the whole "Riggs, you got to go on without me." kind of kind of thing over here, where he's dead. And can I just say, honestly, and in, in all nobody dies like Ben Kingsley. <laughs> <laughs> he does not well. He's a great actor.
0: He's, I know this scene is so out of place for this shitty movie. It is amazing that they got him. It is. It is, uh, it is right. It is. It is mind-boggling. It's bonkers. I don't uh, uh, <laughs> because he in his death scene, he's like. No,
1: you need to chill no, you need to chill out. I'm done. <laughs> you need to get out of here so this can continue. Don't let this be for nothing. Right. Son. I mean, you're getting this whole dad thing. <laughs> the whole vibe was like I, Annabelle now has to go on because Amos sacrificed himself for in his dying wish was you need to see this through. Right.
0: All those feels were right there in that scene. Oh, yeah. That was like one of those actual moments that it's against like, all if,
1: odds. <laughs> if the whole movie had been this. This thing would have been on everybody's radar, even in limited release. Although, if it had been that movie, it wouldn't have been in limited release. I'm just going to say it. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so Annabelle books, we get to the aftermath of the shootout. Henry and Annabelle are in the car. This is the, they're back, I think they're back in England, right? Because they're at Heathrow. So they're driving. This my favorite, they're driving in the Jag, which isn't fancy enough to have an unconnected mobile phone.
0: <laughs> right.
1: You see the cord coming out. Donald says i talking to the phone, driving on the right side of the car with the car. Well, um, technically, it
0: is still the 80s, so...
1: That's true. Well, I'll allow it. <laughs> All right, but... Yeah. <laughs> Okay, fine. Um, that was the only vintage Jag they could find that had a cell phone in it. And right. it just happened to be period accurate. Okay, <laughs> I'll buy that. I'll buy that. And he's having what sounds like a baking conversation about the transaction being available or closed and the transaction's closed, which is CIA spy speak for missions canceled. Can't do it. This is also the scene where you know he's trying to talk Annabelle off of the ledge, right? You know? I had a password that went bad one time, too,
0: and the password was hotter than the last three summers. Yes, this is like one of the few times where Henry actually tries to show sympathy. It's so weird the way that Donald Sutherland's character vacillates between being this like empathic. Hyper-focused asshole and and then an empathic, caring human being. Right. It's so weird that he just flips. He flips that switch so hard and so quickly, so often in this movie. And this is one of those moments where he actually becomes a caring human being for like two seconds, because for once, it's actually Annabelle who wants to keep the mission going. Right. And And he's saying, this is what happens, man. Right,
1: you were not. I'm not the madam kid. I'm just one of the horse. And so, so are, are you. you. <laughs> I'm actually going to use that line the next time somebody gets pissed off at a meeting about something nobody can control. I'm just throwing that. In. They're like, I'm not the madam kid. I'm just one of the horse. So are you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying,
0: you know, at my at my <clears throat> at my cover job that I have. Yes, yes, yes. The. Uh, mm. Because, rump, 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 rump. <laughs> yes, because clearly we're being paid a great deal of money at, here at the uh, CIC to... Uh,
1: correct, correct, correct. That's right. Correct, correct. Correct. Um, and so that more or less that that tearful moment of, you know, I understand where you're coming from and I teary up, but hey, man, that's just the way it is. Shit's done. We're moving on. Yeah. Uh, that pretty much takes us out of act two and throws us into act three.
0: Okay. So... <laughs> hey Ben, we're around the horn. We're around the horn. We are around the horn. And speaking of being around the horn, Annieball has now returned home. And uh Annabal does not settle in well when he gets back home. No. And uh his wife, you know, notices his not so subtle new sex moves. Um, that's kind of awkward. She's just like, whoa, what are you doing? I'm not cool with this at all. Again, Uh, again, she (laughs) manages against all odds to act really well in a very
1: uncomfortable scene. Right. Well, you know, the whole subtext on this thing is just me. But he keeps saying, I was in a submarine full of men for the last six months, and I'm like, and that's where you learned that? I (laughs) and that's where you learned all these new sex moves.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what what is the parallel we're trying
1: to to draw here exactly? so yeah it's terrible for (laughs) me to think that but it's the right don't blame me
0: it's the writing not me (laughs) exactly so yeah so she's like have you been with someone else and he gets really defensive and angry and is just basically a all-around asshole because he's dealing with a whole bunch of shit inside his head that he can't tell her that he can't tell her about till he can yeah until he can which is just sort of (laughs) At his discretion, but anyway, we'll get to that. So then the next day or whenever it is, he's at his kid's baseball game and he nearly kills this other dad for being a shithead, which, I mean, he kind of deserved it, but not quite that much. <laughs> he, he may have been punched in the face, but definitely not the beatdown that he got. Now, you don't need to send his nose bone up into his brain. <laughs> Three <laughs> over, times. Right. Over yelling at your kid for missing a and, catch or something. And then traumatizing his kid for the rest
1: of his life. Not yeah. Annabal's kid, but the dude what got beat up's kid.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, he, of course, he goes to jail for this. But then Henry shows up and bails him out. You know, he's got the, the CIA equivalent of the uh, Kingsman coin. <laughs> 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 the get out of jail free card. And right. uh, <laughs> So then for some reason, this next scene actually works for me. Like this is one of those little bits, little bits of good in this ridiculous movie. And right. this is where – so, he, he bails him out because the CIA wants to reignite going after Carlos. Right. And so, so he starts off really friendly and, and tries to manipulate Annabelle and, and going off of his sentimentality over the – you know, and his guilt over the fact that Amos died and whatnot, that he still feels somewhat responsible or, or that he needs to make up for that or whatever. But then, just like that, he flips the switch – and is literally threatening Annabelle that well, you know, I could just you know make it really easy for Carlos to find you and your family if uh, you don't cooperate. And so right. it just gets super ugly. And then like Annabelle's ready to kick his ass. And then Henry does this weird little jump into his car, <laughs> like evil person and drives away. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really weird moment, but it's also like ah, it just makes him so despicable in that moment. Mm-hmm. So. In in one way it works, in another way it's like so over the top. I don't know. This movie's so weird. <laughs> so now that the CIA wants to reignite this mission, Annabelle goes back home and decides to finally come clean to his wife about what he's been up to. And he does it in the ugliest way possible because she's like legitimately has concerns because he's being an asshole. Right. And he's being verbally abusive and violent to to a kid's dad at a baseball game. And what the hell? And what are these weird new sex moves? and, And instead, he just gets super defensive and talks about what he's had to do for his country. And somehow that's supposed to make it all better. And. It could have made it all better if he didn't dish it out the way that he does. He kind of yeah. says it in a way like like she's supposed to, almost as if she's supposed to know it, right? It, it, it's half you're supposed to know it, and it's also half you don't understand what I've been going through, type thing. But it's like, right. well, how, how would she know? How would you know? How would she know what what he's been going through? So. As far
1: as you know, you were learning weird weird sex moves <laughs> on a submarine with a bunch of guys. So
0: <laughs> so uh, yeah. So that happens. So then we realize that he is back in on the mission because we cut now. It's now East Berlin, October of 1987. And uh, we see two agents on a stakeout in Berlin, probably Carlos's other safe house. When somebody comes out of the safe house on a motorcycle and the agents follow and the guy on the motorcycle is Annibal in disguise as Carlos in disguise. <laughs> Once again. <laughs> Once again, dude playing a dude, playing another dude, disguised as another dude. <laughs> so um, and he knows he's being followed. And so he goes to the biker bar where he meets Donald Sutherland with the bad hair. The the good the good bad hair. The good bad hair. because You
1: forgot to mention that In Quinn is also wearing bad, bad hair.
0: Bad, bad hair. It's a bad hair day. It's a bad hair day for everyone at the CIA. And um, so they're at this Biker bar and he they they both know that the KGB now see quote unquote Carlos meeting with a known CIA agent. Right. And sure enough, uh you know, after the seeing the pictures that that the that the agents took, they decide to move in on him. So then Annibal leaves, I guess, and Annibal shows up at the safe house. Right. And Henry is following behind and he flashes his car lights, signaling Annibal to get in the car, but Anibal wants to stay until he knows Carlos is dead for sure, because he's at this point, he is in it to win it because right there's, he there's... wants it over
1: with. He wants the threat gone.
0: Right. He he just wants these people out of his life. So just then we see the KGB hit squad show up in a couple of different vans and uh, <laughs> what nothing. Just <laughs> the end
1: of the scene. I know. Seems so stupid in it, comparison to where it was going. So <laughs> yeah.
0: Please continue. I, I know because there's parts in here that are kind of cool, but yes, it just it just fails so miserably at the very end. So so the vans show up and Henry has to drive off and go around the horn before he can show up again, right? Uh, so at that point, we see Annabelle take off his disguise. He's watching as the KGB start invading the safe house, which I thought was actually kind of cool. Like yeah, they it did, was. They did some cool shots. They did some like the glass cutting and. You Dude, know, the second
1: and, unit work was on point.
0: Well, you know, you, you get a guy who knows how to, you know, put together stuff for Star Wars, and your stuff is going to look a little better in those parts. Yeah, exactly. Kristen Duguay was off, I don't building know. Building kids pissing on the ground. <laughs> right. Or in some abandoned building where people have been squatting, but now there's sex going on. So That's anyway, right. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> so here's a question. I don't understand why the big boss of the KGB would be going in with his team. Right. I mean, that never turns out well, first of all. <laughs> Second mm-hmm. of all, no. is, is that the only way that Carlos is going to, the real Carlos, is going to take th- this seriously? Or
1: Here's the thing. From the whole <laughs> operational perspective, yes, you send 10 guys in with one mission, kill him and the chick that's in bed with him, There's no dialogue. There's no. Oh, we have caught you, Cardo's the bad guy. Right. It's okay. Look, I've never been to Russia. I'll probably (laughs) never go to Russia. I've never been in the KGB, the CAA, the Mousc, none of that shit. But I'm pretty (laughs) sure that the KGB is not going to be like. But let's go have a discussion with him first, comrades. They're going to be like, nope, kill his ass. But two, that's it. Oh yeah. So the, the fact that the supervisors there bullshit. The fact that there's 10 other guys with guns there and they're letting one of the most dangerous men in the world just walk around thing. Bullshit. Yeah. And then the they end would have of the lit
0: day, that place up
1: like he did when he got the gun and lit them right. up. <laughs> and lit them up. All of them in a row. Thanks for standing in a row.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. That was so dumb. Not even side by side to hide their numbers. No, I mean, did they
1: watch Star Wars?
0: Do they know what sand people do?
1: Jeez Louise. And now that's
0: a Star Wars reference you can appreciate. That's right. See what I did there? Yes. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) we see Henry roll back up and he starts looking in with binoculars. KGB is up in Carlos's bedroom and Carlos still starts telling the head guy that he's being set up to think that he's working with the CIA because clearly, apparently, Carlos is very smart, and he knows exactly what the hell is going on. So Yeah, he's figured it um, out. So he starts casually putting on clothes and talking shit at the same time. And then, of course, he grabs a gun and shoots all of them. Not one
1: guy out in the hallway keeping an eye on nope. things. Everybody's nope. in the room. There was a naked girl in there. So. Yeah. There
0: was, yeah. Okay, Discretion. Yeah. So anyway... Carlos jumps out the window, basically, and he's on the balcony um, after obliterating all those guys. <laughs> he shoots a few more guys, then jumps into the nearby river, and that's when Annabelle jumps after him. Now, Ugh. here is what I offer as a better ending to this.
1: Oh, well, you're not going to be offering much to get to there, but okay.
0: My offer is let Annabelle kill him right here. Don't do the, oh, do we kill Carlos or do we kill animals? It's just so silly. But what we
1: what what we basically got in that scene was uh here we go, another Star Trek reference. <laughs> we got Captain, <laughs> we got Captain Kirk from Star Trek Six kissing the the shapeshifter that shapeshifts into him and goes, I can't believe I kissed you. Must have been your lifelong ambition. That's what the whole thing was. Face off. I mean, it was just <laughs> so bad. It and, literally, and it, it literally turns into face-off. Right. And and it and it ends in the twin conundrum. Because he comes comes in blazing, shoots a version of Carlos. Right. And doesn't know because the other one pops out of the water. Right. And they're surprisingly enough, both wearing the exact same thing. Mm. Mm. So twin conundrum, we give the password. The right uh,
0: one makes the right answer. Right, exactly. So, you know, we, we know theoretically that he shot the wrong guy initially because the guy who was shot knows the password. Right. And then the allegedly real Carlos uh, swims away. Because Sutherland he, has one of his empath- empathic moments. That's right. He he flips the switch again and decides he needs to take care of Annabelle in this moment instead of being a complete prick. So so that's what happens.
1: <laughs> that's right. Can so, I tell you that I vividly remember the end of this movie, even if I can't remember the majority of the all of the other part of the movie? Because <laughs> it was over.
0: So yeah, as Henry is carrying him to the car over his shoulder, over his shoulder, Annabelle is like, "You need to go after Carlos." And Henry's like, "Well, they've basically already won because now the KGB will be hunting him. Yeah, they'll do the job for us, right? So we don't have to do it anymore, which is hilarious to me because they made it sound like getting Carlos in the first place was so friggin' hard. What makes you think that the KGB is going to have any better luck than you?
1: Because they're the KGB.
0: Well, <laughs> <there> <laughs> because, they,
1: because they send 12 guys in when only one guy will do <laughs> with a supervisor.
0: So finally, <laughs> <laughs> cuts to three months later and we're at Annabelle's home and Annabelle is outside telling his wife to hurry up and he's outside with the kids getting into the car or whatever. And she gets off the phone and goes out the door now. We get a hard cut. So the first shot we see is Annabelle's wife getting off the phone and heading for the exit out the front door. The very next cut is just the car. We don't see people in the car. We just sort of see the car really quickly for a snap second, and then the car explodes. And, of course, oh, they must have all died. Hmm. That must be the case. Mm,
1: Don't put any thought into the fact that there would have had to be four dead bodies in there, including two dead children. Right. And and, how did they make that happen?
0: Mm. Mm. Of course, that then dissolves into a funeral where the naval captain is talking about, how does one even begin to comprehend a tragedy like this? In the most generic line... (laughs) ever written for a funeral so we get the uh we get the 10 guns 21 guns 21 gun that's right i'm sorry i'm not a military fellow i just belong to a silly spy unit um (laughs) so so we get the 21 gun salute and then we see henry turn and walk away from the funeral uttering under his breath now you're free but of course This is not the end. Then we cut to uh, St. Martin in August of 1988, where Annabelle and his family are doing well. And he receives a letter from Henry saying, rest in peace, Jack, along with a newspaper clipping of the funeral that was held for him and his family. The end. Except (laughs) then, of course, we get the follow up, which, again, I have not read the Nonfiction version of what happened to Carlos,
1: right? So one thing before that, though, did that scene where he gets the newspaper at the very end of it? He's smoking a cigarette. That's,
0: oh, that's right. And there's that's a right. spider
1: and a spider web, which is clearly a CGI spider spider web in there because right. it wasn't there. And he he leans over as if he's going to burn the spider
0: with the cigarette, just like just like the first scene,
1: right? And then pulls back and it takes a drag off there. So I couldn't understand if that was he's still carrying it around inside him or.
0: Is it really
1: Carlos?
0: I think it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. I mean
1: And I'm like, boy, that would have been much more of a payoff for me if I'd been invested in the rest of your stupid fucking movie. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. We we we've we've reviewed a couple of stinkers on this here podcast, but this one is gonna be the the watermark for <laughs> how bad it can go. Oh goodness. We started off with woo as fuck, and now we're gonna have assignment
0: as fuck. Here's the, <laughs> <laughs> Here's the difference, though. There is enough production value and care taken in the movie making of Mission Impossible 2 that there can be fun had. In watching Mission Impossible 2, this oh, movie- no, no 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 no
1: no I I am not even comparing them as as that was the bar before. Right. I love Mission Impossible 2, but we you know we coined a phrase because there were some things that were specifically woo as fuck in that right. movie. So any bad movie that has a really bad scene, that bad scene has to be assignment as fuck. That's all I'm <laughs> saying. <laughs>
0: So there you have it. Please I'm uh, sorry I interrupted you at the end. No, it's it's fine. So allegedly everything is done but then we get this follow-up crawl graphic that says apparently he was on the run in several different countries until he was arrested in the Sudan in 1994 and then the I think there was more to it. I just t- didn't feel like yeah, writing so- it all down. <clears throat> I did I did read one thing about the real Carlos. Apparently, he's currently still being held in some sort of yes. life in prison in like France, I think. Yep. So, yeah. And then, of course, the final sentence says that there are rumors that a retired CIA agent and a former naval officer planned and executed his capture.
1: There are no such rumors. (laughs) There are no such rumors whatsoever. Except in the director's (laughs) mind.
0: And uh, that is the end of this... uh, Steaming pile of porridge almighty. (laughs) Whew, boy. And if you made it this far with us, then boy... Thank God. We Good on with you.
1: Yeah, we you guys
0: are you have the patience of Job and the steel of the man of steel. And and you know, I will say one of our very own agents mark miller you asked for this one pal <laughs> you got it there you go <laughs> that we, is- hope
1: was, we hope it was everything that you were hoping for
0: <laughs> so that is the end of our uh listener requested review of the assignment but uh hey as always we are still despite having to watch the assignment Looking for more listener interaction to tell us how you like the podcast or what you might want to hear us review or anything in between that. So, uh, Any, please,
1: anything comes to mind,
0: yeah. So, uh, you know, hit us up uh, on email it's uh, cicdeaddrop at gmail.com on Instagram. Uh, it is Central Intelligence Cinema separated by underscores. And until Elon really shits the bed, we'll be on Twitter, uh, at CIC spy pod. And, uh, yeah. So please come, uh, come interact with us. Say hi, do what you will.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Look, let us know you're out there. Tell us yeah. if we're doing a good job, doing a bad job, whatever you feel like you need to do. But if you think we are doing a, a good job, feel free to leave us one of them glowing five star reviews we're always asking for.
0: Oh, we do love those. Those tickle us in all the right places. They do. <laughs> it's
1: it's, it's wonderful
0: it is the christmas It is the season of giving (laughs) that's
1: right so if you feel like you're getting something out of here and you want to give the the agents of the cic a little something for the holidays hit that five-star review tell everybody what you like about it we get more people like you in we do more
0: stuff it's fantastic i love it (laughs) exactly but uh yeah that's about it for uh Russ, this time, I think I've said more than enough. (laughs) We have definitely said more than enough. So with that, I'm Ben. And I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis, and more mayhem. And no more porridge.
1: And no more (laughs) porridge.